I think for the follower of Jesus, the question is, is, do you have the spirit? The question is, does the spirit have you? When I struggle with peace in my own heart, the problem is not with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The problem is with my surrender to the presence of the Holy Spirit. My issue is not that I'm lacking the spirit. The issue is that I am lacking trusting God and surrendering to the spirit. There's a huge difference between knowing how to do something and actually doing it. A first-time parent can read all of the books, get advice from other people, and even watch the YouTube videos, but it's a whole new ball game when your newborn is placed in your arms, when the theoretical becomes reality. Today, Pastor Daniel invites you to explore how to move past mere words and ideas and experience God's peace in real ways. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 14 as he continues his message, Peace. That's what a conversation is. It is the sharing of lives and of information. Every conversation you have, you're saying something because you want somebody to understand something. And Jesus, what's beautiful is in this Beautiful section in John, verses 14 to 17. Jesus has just had what we call the Last Supper, right? It's, it's the night that he's going to be betrayed by Judas, that he's going to be imprisoned. And only in John's gospel do you get this extended teaching that Jesus gives. Remember, he washes his disciples' feet, and they break the bread. And then John gives us these three beautiful chapters of teaching. And Jesus, this teaching is being driven by questions. Like if you look at John 14, you know, Thomas asks a question where he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? And he's like, hey, but I'm the way, the truth, and life. He begins to teach them. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father that it might be sufficient for us. He's like, hey, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And there's this beautiful teaching. You know, and then then you continue on. And then it says in verse 22 of John 14, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And then Jesus starts explaining that. And then he says, and these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. See, Jesus wants us to understand the gifts he brings. He wants us to understand peace, and he's spoken to us about it. Like in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do you hear what Jesus just said? These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Now, remember what I shared about why I'm struggling with peace? Jesus spoke about that. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be trials. There's going to be things that don't make any sense. There's going to be struggles. The idea of a life devoid of trials is a fantasy. It's not real. 
But there's that part of us that's like, I want it all to make sense. But Jesus says, no, no. But you're not going to have peace in this world. You're going to have peace in me in this world. So when we look in our lives and we look at the circumstances of our lives, we should never expect to see peace. We should expect to see issues. We should expect there's going to be problems. Because Jesus said, in this world, notice he says, you will have tribulation. Don't you wish you would have said you might have tribulation? I mean, I just, every time I read it, I'm like, why did he say there's a potential that you're going to have issues? He says, no, you will have it. But you could be of good cheer because there is victory in all the issues. So in a world full of trials, what do we do? Well, listen to what Jesus inspired the prophet Isaiah to say. This is Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, what's really powerful is, you may not know this, in the Hebrew language, when they want to emphasize a word, it gets repeated. So like, let me give you an example. Like when you read in the Bible that God is holy, 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 what they call the thrice hagion, powerful because hagios in the Greek is holy, thrice is three for Shakespeare, the thrice hagion. It means God is exceedingly abundantly holy. When it says you will keep him in perfect peace in the Hebrew, it's literally shalom, shalom. Like double peace. That's why people always laugh when they say, Pastor Jay, when you pray, why do you always say amen and amen? Because I'm saying true that, true that. Like, like I'm just like, I'm like, ex- I'm exclamating that thing. Like, I want to be like, listen, we are trusting Jesus. It's the same reason why your mom tells you to, to clean your room three times. Some emphasis. But this idea of peace in a world full of tribulation, Jesus is like, these are the things I've spoken to you while I was with you. And he's saying, and the key for us, for you, is to keep your mind on me in the midst of all of this. And when you do, I will give you a unique peace. And brothers and sisters, this is why, and I love what Pastor Bill said about the scriptures, But he said that as it relates to the scriptures, we want to be unconsciously competent in the scriptures. For a lot of people, I had someone say, I don't understand what he was saying. The idea is that like when you, when you're really good at something, when someone is really, really, really good at something, they just do it. Like I was just talking to, um, to my bride Lynn about it because every night she goes to sleep and I'll grab my bass and I'll play my bass while I'm doing other things like reading a book. She said, I don't get why you do that. I'm like, well, I want the base to be an extension of my body. I don't want to think about it. When you watch somebody who is amazing at playing an instrument, it's like, it looks effortless. When you watch someone, a phenomenal ballerina, it's effortless, right? And what Pastor Bill was saying is that as believers, the word of God should be an effortless part of our lives. But I'm here to tell you that does not happen in a short amount of time. That walking from incompetence to competence to unconscious competence takes a lot of time. 
and the things of God, Jesus has spoken to us. We have his word. And his word should be so deep in our hearts and in our lives that whenever something happens, scripture should pop up in our hearts. That's why, like, what I want to encourage you is, like, everyone at this point says, well, Fusco, like, I really want that. Well, listen, it's going to take time and effort and energy and intention. So, like, as we're going to come into a new year, it'll be time for us to start reading through the Bible again. Every, you know, week we memorize scripture together. Are you doing those things? Do you pick it up on our free mobile app? Just go to the church Facebook page every week. The memory verse for this week is this, right? Hey, we're reading these chapters. We do that because Jesus spoke these things to us because he wants us to understand peace. And if we live in a world where there's no peace to be found, then unless we become people who grapple deeply with the word of God. There's no peace to be found. And I say that, listen, I've already confessed that I struggle to have peace at times and I know the word and I teach the word. And I've been reading the Bible every single day for 25 years and studying it and teaching it for 22 years. I know the verses, but yet I still find that if I'm not careful, even when you know the stuff, are we trusting Jesus, keeping our minds and hearts set on Jesus as we walk into the next thing. And I think that that's the big challenge, isn't it? In the last crisis, you trusted strong. But that doesn't mean you're going to trust the next crisis. Just because you had a great victory. I mean, like I was thinking about the life of the prophet Elijah Maybe one of the greatest biblical victories was the prophets on Mount Carmel where literally fire comes down from heaven. I mean, talk about the ultimate charismatic moment. Like everybody who believes in the work of the spirit, everybody wants that experience. Like where I just like, man, it was like, it was a, a showdown between me and the people who didn't believe in God. And like God literally just rained fire down. It's like the ultimate moment. And the next moment he finds out that Queen Jezebel wants to kill him, and he runs freaked out. Classic vulnerability hangover. Great moment. It's like God just rained fire from heaven, and he's running away from a queen who God just rained fire from heaven. Because God wants you and I to learn the art of being present and choosing to trust him in the present. I read it recently that it said that hope is singing when everyone tells you there's no reason to have a song. And faith is trusting when the world says, you shouldn't trust God in that. You can't trust God in that. That's not going to work out. But Jesus wants us, and his word has been given to us so that we understand it. And I I know this is the case because not only does Jesus want us to understand peace, but look at verse 26 of John 14, where Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us and to remind us of the things that Jesus said. Now, don't miss the fact that when Jesus said this, he hadn't been crucified yet. He hasn't been resurrected yet. He hadn't ascended into heaven yet. The spirit of God hadn't been poured out yet. And 
The spirit had not inspired the writing of the scriptures yet. So you realize that this book, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this is the, one of the fulfillments of this verse. The spirit of God is like, I want to teach and remind people what Jesus says. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell them in a book what it says. And this is why God's word is so important to us. Because really what Jesus is saying here is that just as when Jesus was on the earth, incarnated in flesh, he was the representative of God, the bringing into public, the personality of God. He's like, now when I go, I'm going to give the spirit and he's going to be the representative of who God is, of what he's doing. Because just as Jesus is God, the spirit is God, but in function, Jesus came at a specific time. And then when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to send forth the spirit. And now the spirit is going to do this work of pointing us to who Jesus is, what he said, and what he's done. And don't ever think for a second that part of God's plan wasn't to give us God's word in a book that we can read. And I'm here to tell you, the only book that you're going to have demonic oppression against reading is this one. You can pick up the newspaper. Listen, I'm here to tell you, Satan loves it when you're reading articles on Facebook. He loves it. He loves it when you're on your favorite news source with the, uh, the letters, whichever one they are. He loves it. He's not going to stop you from doing that. He's not going to stop you every time your phone dings because some mediator of information decides that you're supposed to read this thing, so they give you a little notification, they push it to you. I'm here to tell you, Satan's never going to stop you from reading whatever news they push to you. But you go to open your Bible and all hell breaks loose. You haven't had a phone call in four days. You open your Bible, man, it's like everyone's calling you. Telemarketers, long lost friends, prank calls. I mean, it all happens because it's God's word. But God has given us his own heart in a book. And that's not to even get into the continuing work of the spirit and how the spirit wants to speak uniquely in our situation. What I love so much about the purposes of God is that the presence of the spirit in our lives himself brings this peace. Of course, you know that peace is a fruit of the spirit, right? Listen to how the apostle Paul spoke about the work of the spirit. This is Romans chapter five, verses one and two. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The way that you and I are justified by faith is because of the drawing work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that nobody comes to me unless the Father draws them. How does the Father draw us? Through the work of the Spirit. We have peace with God because the spirit of God applies the finished work of Jesus to our lives. And when that happens, we have access by faith into grace and we get to rejoice and hope all because of the work of the spirit. Now, here's the question for us today. 
Does the spirit of God have you? Now, I realize I said that in a way that you didn't expect because normally people say, do you have the spirit? I think for the follower of Jesus, the question is, is, do you have the spirit? The question is, does the spirit have you? When I struggle with peace in my own heart, the problem is not with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The problem is with my surrender to the presence of the Holy Spirit. My issue is not that I'm lacking the spirit. The issue is I am lacking trusting God and surrendering to the spirit. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said, I want you to understand peace. And I've given you the Holy Spirit to teach and to remind you. So let me ask you, does the spirit of God have you? How are we doing with allowing Jesus and his victory to frame the way that we see the world and our circumstances? You want a convicting verse? Here's Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. (laughs) Someone already laughed. Be anxious for nothing. Gosh, yeah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, you saw I had that memorized, right? But the key is not for me to memorize it. The key is for me to stand upon it when I walk through all the garbage of life. Like, what is it? It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to live it. And I believe that in this Advent season, one of the things that God is wanting to do in all of our lives is he actually wants us to live out the things that we believe. I believe that all the things that are wrong with our society would actually be changed if the people of God just lived out what we actually believe. Everything that's wrong with society would be fixed by the people of God truly believing what we believe and living it out. We believe in a God of love. There'd never be people who didn't know love because the people of God would be bringing that love. We believe in a God of justice. Every form of injustice the people of God would step into because we believe in the God of justice. We live in a world full of polarization, but Jesus came to tear down the wall of separation. I mean, like, you can do this in every area. I mean, you know, you're like, oh man, let's talk about economics. It's like, oh yeah, you know what Jesus did? When the people believed in Jesus, they all put their money together and everybody had what they needed because nobody was being selfish. And they love one another enough to serve one another. These are terrifying concepts in a world full of division. But these are the very beliefs that we hold. Every time we're anxious, we should pray. Do you realize that fear 
is an invitation to trust. Concern, an invitation to gratitude. And when we do that, we're activating the very gift that Jesus has given us, the gift of peace. Prayer reminds us that we are not and have never been in control, but we know who is in control. And when that happens, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Now, back in John 14, listen to verse 27. Because Jesus now, he really settles in. He says, listen, I want you to understand peace. These things I've spoken to you while I've been present with you. And he's like, hey, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, the helper, you know, the Father's gonna send my, he's gonna teach you all these things. He's gonna bring into remembrance all the things that I've said. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, isn't that powerful? Because remember I said that the promised king brings gifts. And one of the gifts he brings is peace. Then he says, hey, listen, guess what? My peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you. And he's like, and I don't give it the way the world gives it. And really what he's teaching us is that Jesus' peace cures the troubled heart. Because then it finally says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So Jesus now lands on For the person whose heart is troubled, maybe you're troubled about what's going on in the world, or you're troubled about your future, or you're troubled about your past, or you're troubled about your children, or you're troubled about X, Y, and Z, insert whatever your trouble is. What brings you fear today? Fear is a normal part of life. And Jesus is saying, because of my peace that I am leaving for you and that I want to give to you in a unique way, You don't have to live with a troubled heart. And you don't have to live in fear. And the question for us becomes, do we really believe that? Because what's amazing, I I love that phrase, not as the world gives. Fascinating. What he's saying is that society wants to offer you a version of peace. And Jesus knew this well because Jesus' entire life was lived at a time when the Roman Empire had what they call the Pax Romana. How many of you remember that from high school? You don't remember what it was about. You remember the phrase, right? I remember when I was reading this, I'm like, oh, the Pax. I'm like, I remember that, but I had no clue what it was. You know what Pax means? Peace. It's the peace of Rome. And how's the peace of Rome come in? I'll tell you how. Through power and might. How about you? Do you really believe that you don't have to live in fear? That God wants something different, something better for you? That he wants his peace to permeate your heart and mind and settle your spirit? Pastor Daniel reminded you that God's peace is different from the world's. It's not an outside in force of power, but an inside out work of God. As you set your mind on the Lord and invite Him into your situation, you'll experience the peace that He brings in new and deeper ways. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Daniel Fusco here, lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. For those of you who are out of the area, 
and are unable to visit us in person, we would love for you to join us online for one of our Christmas Eve services at 1 p.m., 2.30 p.m., and 4 p.m. Pacific Time at live.crossroadschurch.net. I know our service will encourage you with heartfelt worship and a message from the Vulnerable God series to inspire you with hope and joy in this season. Again, our service times are 1, 2.30, and 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve online at live.crossroadschurch.net. Live.crossroadschurch.net. I'll see you there. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel explores the topic of love specifically the love that brought Jesus down to earth as a baby. He wasn't motivated by a warm, feel-good, surface-level kind of love. No, it was so much more than that. Pastor Daniel will help you unpack what God's love is like and why it matters for you today. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called The Promised King. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.